You're listening to Two Dudes, One Disc. We're the most sought-after music journalists, the greatest minds in the history of... You really gonna make me read this sh- Just read it! Take on the most influential albums of all time. Here's your host, Michael Heideman, on Two Dudes, One Disc. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Mike Heideman, for another exciting episode of Two Dudes, One Disc. Ooh. And I think you know what time it is. Here with us today is the musical maestro, the Sultan of Sound, WGN technical producer extraordinaire, and Prince mega fan. Brian Alzheimer. What's going on today, Brian? Uh, nothing much, man. Just uh, grooving to the tunes. Yeah, you know, I, once I hear Prince, you know, I, I get the go, I get going, man. <laughs> so. But we're not taking on any normal Prince album today. We're in taking on the 15 track, exciting, the original tracks he put on. Um, I'm glad I'm glad it came out because uh, there there there's been like uh, one of those uh, debates. That happens amongst uh, Prince fans and mm-hmm. casual Prince fans on what he did and what he didn't do. Mm-hmm. So, this, to me, this this album, the originals, kind of kind of solidifies and makes me win every argument I had with any person that claimed that was a that was a, uh, that was like a Prince fan. Yes, you mentioned the album, the originals. It's, it came out on June seventh, and it's gonna be played to the twentieth before see, receiving a physical release via Warner Brothers on June twenty first. But you're exactly right. No one knows how much of an impact Prince had on the music industry. And when they, when people listen to Prince for the first time, they go, okay, when Doves Cry, I get it, 1999. It's a great singer, great guitar player. But nobody knows how great of a songwriter he truly was. And this kind of dives into that, right? Yeah, like uh, Sex Shooter. Um, it, for those of you that seen Purple Rain, you, you know pretty much the background of it. But for those of you that that, that never seen Purple Rain or never heard uh, this particular song, um, this song was originally a demo by Prince. And when you hear the original version of it, it's actually the exact same song. It's just Prince's voice on it, which is actually pretty cool. So when you hear that that original track and you know there's little like differences as far like if you're a musical producer you're here like like a different reverb but it's pretty much the same track which is uh it's really good mm-hmm. and um it just it just reaches it to me it, it was one of those things where i'm like this dude was cold i like it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i, I really love i love it and i like the fact that uh that is the first track that the minute you you pop the CD in or if you download the album, that's, that's going to be the first thing you hear is, mm-hmm. is, is, is the original Prince track. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that that track out. Yeah, it's really cool what he does. And just so everyone knows on this podcast that they're listening to it, uh, I love this song. I love how it jumps into the funky beat. You can write, you can feel the 80s Prince right from the get-go. Um, on this podcast, though, we do have some covers. We do have some of the, some of the semi-original songs where he is giving it to other artists to sing. So don't think that you're listening to the 
perfect original track list. We needed to mix around a little bit because uh, I don't have title. Is basically what happens. I'm breaking the fourth wall. I don't have it. <laughs> I'm too poor to buy title. Yeah, if you have a title account, you can actually um, you can actually download this entire album and listen to it from start to finish. Um, I actually pre-ordered through um, uh, Apple, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna have the that 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 physical copy. But I can't wait to hear it. So I'm like, I, if if, if there's ever a reason for you to, to have title, this mm-hmm. is this is it because <laughs> um, it's it's a really good album and yeah. uh, one of my favorite uh, tracks off off this album honestly is makeup. Is makeup? Was, yeah, it's a, it's a song that he originally wrote and did a demo, and, but he gave it to uh, Vanity Six mm-hmm. and the track itself, the the backing track is pretty much the same, but you just hear Prince's voice on it and it's, it's pretty cool um, so I, I, I like that, that track a lot um, another track that I really am fond of mm-hmm. is Manic Monday everybody knows the Bangles version of Manic Monday but nobody really heard the Prince version of Manic Monday there's been like a, a bootleg version yeah. that's been going around for years of Manic Monday but it was really dirty you couldn't really like you can tell just like a Monday like yeah. a really dirty dirty track yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was really dirty and muffled you can barely hear Prince mm-hmm. but um, this version that's on the originals it's you hear Prince all in all of his glory and uh, Susanna Hoff, who's the guitarist for the uh, Bangles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I mean, there's really no difference in the track, you know. So when you hear Manic Monday, like, it is just, it's so good. Yeah, well, let's not skip too far ahead. We don't want to give everything away just yet. That first song, Sex Shooter, recorded in Prince in 1983, appears on Apollonia's Apollonia, which came out in 1994. Apollonia 6 is the name of the album that it came out on in 1984. Now, this yeah. next song, it's Jungle Love. Love the name of the song. Yeah. But the only track that I could find is by Purple Rain. Which is a Prince cover band, so let's just take a quick listen, and I apologize to all the real Prince fans out there for this. Now, Brian, as we're watching this video (laughs) on YouTube right now to find this song, what do you think of the the look of this cover band? Uh, You know, they got the the music down, but uh, that's no Morris Day right now. So this song, Jungle Love, it appeared, it, it rec- recorded by Prince in 1983, appears on Time's Ice Cream Castle in 1984. So yeah. these were quick, quick turnarounds with these songs. Yeah, because, uh, again, um, Prince, he composed, he arranged, and wrote all these songs, and the song was pretty much done. Mm-hmm. And he'll just, you know, in, in Minneapolis back in those days, like... It, it was a small camp of, of uh, musicians, so everybody knew everybody. So it, it's not that uh, odd for somebody to be like, hey, this song doesn't work for me. Here here you go. And that's basically what happened with the time and Prince, you know, and, and if in the Purple Rain movie, you know, they were like rivals. But, mm-hmm. you know, in real life, they were actually, you know, friends and they, you know, they actually liked each other. So they passed tracks along and uh, Jungle Love is, is is a really good example of 
of that friendship because when you hear Prince's versions of Jungle Love, mm-hmm. it's the exact same track. But, you know, at the time, they were their, their own band. So, yeah, they played the... The in, they played the instruments, but it sounds exactly the same, mm-hmm. you know. So that's pretty cool. You know, aren't the time going on tour again pretty soon too? Because I remember hearing something about the fact that they were selling the tour as in, hey, you know, the time is just as good of a band as when Prince was there as it wasn't. Because there were times when Prince would go off stage for like eight minutes at a time to take a breath, and the band would still keep going, and you'd still be listening to a Prince song whether he was there or not. Yeah, I mean, the time they they were recently here in the Chicago. Chicagoland area. They, they were. They played the Horseshoe, I think, uh, not too long ago, and uh, I didn't get a chance to see him as I was working. Mm-hmm. But as always, um, yes. yeah, always working. Um, but yeah, they. I mean, they're phenomenal in their own way, and they had and, and two former members at the time, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, for musical old heads out there. Um, they uh, went on to produce. Um, more acts you may have heard of Janet Jackson. I've heard her. Um, there heard she's good. There would be no Janet Jackson if the if it wasn't for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And so, with that being said, and I'm currently in an argument with somebody online about this right now. There's a few Janet Jackson songs that sound exactly like Prince songs. Uh-huh. And the crazy thing about Prince is that he he was always working. Mm-hmm. And there is a vault of music. I mean, it's, it's been rumored for decades that Prince had a vault just full of music. Mm-hmm. And when he died, you know, you're seeing all these dribs and drabs of music starting to leak out. And so I won't be surprised if you, you know, years um, coming up, you may hear a couple of Janet Jackson tracks from the Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis era, because, I mean, there's at least six songs that I've heard from her previous albums and i'm mm-hmm. like that sounds like a prince song it, i mean the arrangement the the sound i mean it, it was known as the mpls sound mpls uh, what does that mean minneapolis okay a, but they that call it sense. mpls so they uh i mean it trust me it, i guarantee you within the next five years there's going to be more prince music co- that that comes out that he um that he wrote and performed because um there are a couple of tracks that I thought would definitely make this album, but it mm-hmm. didn't. Okay. And so I'm I'm really uh, surprised. But you know, um, when an artist of that caliber dies, you know they're gonna, you know, these record companies are gonna milk it as much as they can. I mean, think about it. You know, with other bands or uh, other artists, when they pass on, you know, they release more and more music as time goes on. And mm-hmm. the diehard fans like myself. <laughs> Even though we may own every bootleg, because uh-huh. uh, I was I was that guy that had pretty much everything Prince came out with, even the crappy stuff, because everything Prince did <laughs> didn't shine. <laughs> uh, I, I went and bought it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I remember the first like day we met. I think that we we talked about Prince um, and the fact that you had all these B sides and old records of Prince, and uh, and it was just always such a fascination that. Someone could be so into, uh, you know, somebody because when you when you're when you hear Prince as just a general common list musical listener, you think of the hits and you're like, all right, everything kind of sounds. I mean, I, I don't mean no, to be no, offensive, no, to, but it sounds a little dated. It's like you 
you can yeah, tell that it's, I, <laughs> it's yeah, from you, the 80s. Yeah, like, I, I totally get it. He's and, not writing any sad, like, grunge songs, like Nirvana style or anything. Well, that's that's to be debated because his latest, uh, his latest stuff, especially with um, Third Eye Girl, mm-hmm. um, that was more... Now, I don't want to say grungy, but it was more just pure rock and roll. Yeah. If you were to, um, in the Lenny Kravitz sort of way. But okay. I, I, okay. I think Lenny Kravitz uh, tailored his sound, at least the guitar aspect of Prince. So when you when you hear Prince's uh, latest uh, stuff uh, from, I'll say, uh, there are a few albums out there. Chaos and Disorder is mm-hmm. one that, that jumps out to me if you want to really hear just rock and roll Prince. Um, anything from um, the Third Eye Girl. I mean, there were like a pure uh, rock band and a few of his early tracks, you know, they didn't work back in the uh, early 80s. And, uh, it, it, and it just didn't work. You yeah, know, it, it wasn't it, its time. Yeah, it, it wasn't its time. No pun but, intended. But, but then when he, like, and this, this is not even on the album, but now that you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> did, I, did I awaken there, the beast? Um, mm-hmm. I think it was 1977. Maybe I'm, I'm, it's a little too early, but um, Bambi, which is a is like a straight rock guitar-driven track. Mm-hmm. And when you hear that track from when he recorded years ago, and you hear the version that he does with uh, Third Eye Girl, it blows you away. You like this song just gets better the more he does it. And with, I mean, he really was, uh, I mean, a rock guitarist, and he he tailored his playing after uh, Carlos Santana. Wow. And people, people, um, you know, they few people know that, but he admits. He, Oh, oh, yeah. Manic Monday. <laughs> Going to the next one real quick. Manic Monday, the unreleased demo. Yeah. Is this is this the nitty-gritty version that we've been hearing about for all these years? Yes, that's the nitty-gritty version. And honestly, this version is a little faster because he recorded it. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this one doesn't have like a female vocal behind it. Um, the album version, when you when it's released, you'll just hear Prince. You'll hear the bass and the drums, and you'll hear a gu- uh, acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually pretty cool when you hear it. One of and it's funny to think that this is the epitome of Bengals music. I mean, this was their big hit, yeah. recorded by Prince in 1984. Came out on the Bengals' Different Light in 1985. Yeah, and he sat. I mean, he sat on that song for like forever, and. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to hear like you know at least some of the members of the Bengals come out and uh, and actually just thank them for it. You oh know? my gosh, yeah. I mean, Apollonia. Give has, me a break. I mean, she's been doing a few interviews recently where she's like, "Hey, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't you know as far as you know being famous and being known if it wasn't for Prince." And so she's been really gracious about it. But uh, I haven't seen any other artists come out and say, hey, thank you. You know, Really? Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, the time, they always been around. And yeah. So I, I don't expect it from the time. But a, a few other artists, I kind of, I, I, I hope they come out and say something, you know. Absolutely. From this list, it's like, it's just a plethora of, of really, really famous names here. Um, this song, though, Manic Monday, 
Uh, sounds like it was written by Prince when he was about 14 years old. And he, he, he was just sitting on it for years because it's, it's so much easier and more... I guess bubblegum than a lot of his music. Well, yeah, I mean he, I mean he hit the music scene like at seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's when he did he. He hit the music scene at crazy. seventeen, and he was one of the first artists that was pretty much given um, just in a sense creative control because he was a one man band. Mm-hmm. I mean, people know. Uh, casual listeners like yourself just know Prince as the guitarist, but Prince played 27 instruments and probably more. But wow. it's, it's noted that he played 27 instruments, so he can pretty much go in a studio and record a whole album by himself. And um, and he often did that sometimes yeah, he, too. He did that a lot, especially when the um, I wish I knew the the, the actual model, but it was a uh, uh, Len One drum machine that was around the. Um, I'll say when he released 1999 and uh, Controversy, and he used that a lot where he didn't need a, a drummer. He did everything on his drum machine. And yeah. He just did everything around it. So, like when you hear um, makeup, makeup was done with that drum machine. It makeup was, coming up very, very yeah. soon. Everyone's like on the edge of their seat waiting for this makeup song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into Noon Rendezvous. I guess this would be a good time to talk about. Um, so this is a rehearsal piece from it, so it's, again, it's very poor quality, and I apologize for that. Prince was known to be kind of a ladies' man. Um, oftentimes, he wore glamorous outfits. All the ladies loved him. There's no denying that. Yeah. Where did this all come from? Was he was he ever married? Um, he was married uh, once uh, to Maite, um, but that was, like, later, like, in the 90s when he got married. And, I mean, there's a whole backstory on that. <laughs> Um, Maite. Yeah, my, her name is uh, Maite. Uh, M A Y T E. That's like okay. her name. But yeah, she. Uh, he was. He was married before. He actually had a kid that didn't survive. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. yeah the kid was born. Only lived like maybe I think maybe a month, if that. You know, and wow. passed away. So he did. He recorded a song. I mean, going a little bit off subject. Um, he recorded a song where he used the, the the heartbeat from the ultrasound. He used that as the backing track. It was actually pretty cool. <laughs> That's a very, very Prince. Yeah. That's That comes from a mind of a guy who turns himself into a symbol, which yeah. we'll get into later. <laughs> yeah, and then, so with New Rendezvous, that's one of the songs that he wrote for uh, Sheila. He wrote for Sheila E. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you hear the, the album version of this on the originals, um, it's pretty much done as just him and a piano. Wow. It, you just, there's no guitar. Um, but like this version that you're hearing here, um, you hear the drum machine, you hear the guitars. I, I love the live version, honestly. The live version is, is really, really great. Um, and it's pretty long, too. And that was. This is a nine minute song in itself, right, right here. And, and that's the cool thing about Prince. Um, pretty much every single you've heard that's been released, mm-hmm. there's extended versions. So I'm quite sure that at some point there's going to be a Prince extended because uh, he was like the modern day James Brown in that in that era because he would just play until he got tired, you know. And I mean, there's songs that last like 16 minutes. Um, oh my gosh! When his Purple Rain uh, Deluxe album came out. Um, people knew of the uh, Computer Blue, which is like one of my favorite tracks. But every like hardcore Prince fan, that's like the essential Prince track. So when you when you hear Computer Blue, mm-hmm. 
uh, that song is almost like 16 minutes. I mean, you, you, you can't deny. Like, It was probably like, because the re- computer for the digital recorder at that time was just turning blue. It's like, no, no more. Can't take it anymore. Um, I think it's a good time to dive into that next song that everyone has been waiting for. Now, I have the uh, the this version. Did you want me to play this yeah, one? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah, it's that drum machine. It's, everything's done on that uh, Lin one. Uh, matter of fact, I should look this up. You so, look it up. I'll go over the, yeah, the details of it. Recorded by Prince in 1981, appears on Vanity Six's self-titled Vanity Six in 1982. The song is "Makeup." Yeah, it's called the uh, the Lin drum. Um, is that how do you spell it? Uh, hold on, give me some of this. Uh, L I N N. I mean, it, it's a pretty crazy drum machine. Like I've, I, I make music mm-hmm. um, at home, and obviously you don't make this model of drum machine anymore. But you can download the sound. You can buy the virtual instruments from the drum from the Lin drum machine. Wow! And so some of the tracks that I've made at home, I actually incorporate that. That Lin drum in some of and some of the tracks, not in all of them because it just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. But um, it's cool to have. It's a really cool <laughs> sounding drum machine. This is the most strange Gosh. drum beat I've ever uh, like. One of the strangest one I've ever heard. It's almost like. It, here's a question, Prince. What was his relations with drugs? Like, did he did he have a? Well, obviously he passed oh. away from uh, an overdose, uh, or, or, it's, or I don't know, allegedly. Um, but yeah, this th- this sounds like something that <laughs> goes on in your head when you're on some kind of drug. Almost, it's like well, this yeah. great, like tumultuous, like trembly uh, drum beat. Well, you know what? With there's been books out um, that's been kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it that has painted Prince in this light of being like on drugs and all yeah like all due due respect is what I'm saying too yeah I mean there's been um allegations out there about it um and there there's actually a video (laughs) that I actually like watching and it's on YouTube and anybody that's a Michael Jackson James Brown a Prince fan has seen this video it's Mm -hmm. a video of all three of them on stage at the same time mm-hmm. and they're performing I want to say it's like 83 and Prince is kind of like out of sorts out of, out of the three but is this uh, the one he keeps telling Michael Jackson to come up on stage yeah, like, come yeah, on yeah. Michael come on yeah. I've seen this one okay yeah, so, it's famous yeah it's a, it's a pretty viral uh, video mm-hmm. so yeah I mean it, it, it could be possible um, but when you I mean if you're just creating like yeah. that, you know, yeah, stuff like this may happen. But I actually like this track. I, I, no, this track is it's awesome, but it's just like it's so cool because, it, you know, you think of everything kind of in, in black and white, and this thing is screaming purple. I mean, this is a funky, funky beat that he creates, and just to work with the manipulation of sound the way he did. This is this could be big in 2019. I mean, when I said that a lot of music didn't stand the test of time. This is straight up like Yoko Ono. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like this track. Yeah, this track is pretty. It's pretty catchy. Uh, I like the little uh, synth bass mm-hmm. uh, part. It's, it's really simple. It's not a lot to it, but you, you get caught in that drum beat and mm-hmm. that in that bass line. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. No, it's cool. Let's listen to it real quick. I 
And this band, how far did Vanity Six go? Now, did he create them? Was it like a P. Diddy thing? Well, it's been rumored that um, Prince was uh, only paying like $5,000, paying them $5,000. I mean, he was Mm. writing all the music. So I I, I can see that. And then Vanity uh, ended up doing movies. Hmm. And she did a, a few movies. One of them actually uh, actually was one of the um, first action movies I ever seen. It was Action Jackson. And that came actually it came on TV um, <laughs> the other day, and I actually watched it all the way through. And what's crazy about Action Jackson? Mm-hmm. Um, just just for reference, uh, that was about five months before the first Die Hard. And okay. Every okay. and every pretty much every actor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every actor that was in Die Hard minus Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. like all the henchmen, the famous henchmen in the in the Die Hard was in Action Jackson, which is <laughs> actually <laughs> they just like they just kept on working. They didn't even change their clothes. They're just like we're we're good to go. Yeah, I mean she did she did a, a couple of uh, movies. She did uh, the Last Dragon, Barry Gordy's. Mm-hmm. Um, if for those of you that remember Barry Gordy, Motown mogul, uh, he had a film studio and yeah. the last dragon was his big hit mm-hmm. so and vanity was in that as well um so yeah i mean she just she wanted to be paid and barry gordy offered her more more money and she went to go do that instead oh look at that yeah. you know money talks it, yeah. you know it sounds like she was going about a hundred miles an hour and <laughs> this goes to her next song a hundred mph miles per hour oh yeah now this is one of the songs I will say is not one of my favorites, <laughs> and I believe the band was Maserati. Yes, Maserati uh, released in 1986, recorded in 1984. Yeah, that's one of those songs that it's like you'll listen to it because if you're a Prince fan, you'll listen to it maybe once. But if you have, yes. This is like it's very like talking heads almost. Is yeah, what, I, what I'm kind of relating it to. Yeah, it's it's one of those tracks. Like I said, if you have a, 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 a excuse me, an album full of Prince tracks, mm-hmm. this is not the track you're gonna go to. You're, <laughs> you're gonna skip it. This is gonna be your skip. Okay. Yeah, and um, oh, when Maserati did it, it was a bad song. And it, <laughs> even the video, when you watch the video uh-huh. of Maserati performing this song, you can tell they were trying really hard to be Prince. And there's only one print. Yeah. And so you, you have to have your own, like, identity. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at that video and you see them and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> and that's pretty much was my, uh, that was my take on that song. Maserati, I've never even heard of that band before. So obviously they didn't yeah, go they, very they, far. They, no, they... Even can't. with a Prince song. Yeah. You know? Well, this guy is another, re, uh, I guess, example example of somebody that I had no idea Prince wrote for, and I have the cover of this Prince song, uh, which was reformed by Kenny Rogers, You're My Love. And this is the Kenny Rogers version, not the Prince version. Yeah. But I know this song. No idea that Prince wrote it. Yeah, so the, co- the, one, thing, one, the one thing about Prince is he recorded under a bunch of pseudonyms. Really? Yes. Um, there, there are a few. There was Camille. Wait, is Kenny Rogers Prince? Like in no, a mask? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. Uh, he had a few pseudonyms. Okay. It was Camille. Camille. Um, Gemini. But Gemini was more during the uh, Batman era. Uh, but Camille. And uh, this one was wrote under the, the pseudonym of Joey Coco. 
Joey Coco. Yeah, so that, okay. was, one of, that was one of Prince's uh, pseudonyms. Another pseudonym was Christopher Tracy, which was a character that he played in his second movie, Under the Cherry Moon. Mm-hmm. So um, if you ever had had an album or bought an album and you read the little linear notes and you saw Christopher Tracy, Camille, Gemini, and nine times out of ten that was a Prince song. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I mean your your immense knowledge of Prince is just overwhelming for somebody like me. Um, I'm looking I scroll down of course, written by Prince under the pseudonym Joey Coco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> features L. DeBarge on backing vocals. Yeah. I mean, Prince. You're my love. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Prince did a lot. I think that was like 1988, I want to say, maybe. Uh, Yeah, You're My Love uh, recorded in 1982, and then he put it out, Kenny Rogers, in 1986. 86, yeah. But yeah, you were like almost spot on. So Sheila E's Holly Rock is our next song, recorded by Prince in 1985 and, and appeared that same year. Yeah, this is a very drum-driven uh, track. Uh, yeah, this is a. I, I actually like go. this. This is this is one you get you get pumped up on. And uh, what I like about this song is Sheila E is a great artist in her own right because he's a drummer and he's toured with her. He's taking her on tour, yeah. and uh, she, uh, especially like in. Late 80s, it was kind of like with him, like far as like uh, touring, you know, when uh, his, I think it was his fourth movie. No, third movie was um, Sign of the Times. Okay, okay. She was featured a lot uh, in that. And Sign of the Times was basically just like a live concert movie. It was a full concert. And you can catch that on demand now. Wait, what was, what was it called one more time? Sign of the Times. <laughs> Over time. Yeah, so it's a full-length concert movie, and uh, many people argue that that was his uh, best album. I want to say that was probably the first double-disc CD. I think maybe. Wow. Uh, maybe I, I, I don't don't quote me on that. Well, he was he, he he paved the way for a lot of different types of music. I mean, when it comes to that Lint drum machine you're talking about, I could very well imagine that he put out the first double disc track, especially since the fact that you talked about how he was writing 16-minute songs back in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, the only other artist that, that I know for a fact that was recording that long was probably James Brown, because James Brown was just, you get in that groove, you know, like, uh, you played in the band before, and, yeah. and, and, and sometimes you get in that groove, you just don't stop. Yeah, You know, true. so yeah. It, Him and maybe Rush, yeah, who wrote a twenty-minute song. Yeah, <laughs> and the Foo Fighters in their own right do stuff like that. They just keep going, you know. So yeah, that was a really good song. This is a version of Holly Rock that goes four minutes fifty-three seconds, but Holly Rock chants for I think in another version for I think three and a half days. <laughs> it keeps going and going and going. All right, let's dive into the next song real quick. We have what do we got on our list here? With Holly Rock and then Baby, You're a Trip. Recorded by Prince in 1982, appears on Jill Jones's Jill Jones in 1987. And this is the cover by Jill Jones. So when I'm guessing people came to Prince a lot of the time when they said, Hey, we have this artist, Jill Jones. She has a great look, enormous hair, 
e- equally enormous forehead, it looks like. <laughs> Lots of makeup. But she doesn't have any great tracks. Prince, what can you do? And then he goes, here is my gift to you, almost. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm almost certain that's one of those things that happened. They probably were label mates. Because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking they're, uh, at that time, uh, he was with Warner Brothers. Um, and what was the release date on that again? This was released on not 1987. So this sat around for five years. Yeah. So um, those of you that know that the famous uh, battle with Prince over um, his uh, masters and all that stuff. So um, she probably was a label mate with Warner Brothers, and he's like, "Hey, you know, toss her a track." Yeah, you know, and that's one of the one of the ones he uh, he gave away. Yeah. Know? To a very, very young girl, Jill Jones. I don't know if I've ever heard any other tracks by her besides that one. Yeah. Um, This next song is The Glamorous Life, recorded in 1983, appeared on Sheila E.'s The Glamorous Life in 1984. Yeah. Now, this is an essential Prince track Mm -hmm. because there's so many different versions of this song. There's so many mixes of this song. You can listen, like, you can go to any dance club. At some point, this song is going to come on. It may be a remix, but you're going to hear this song somewhere. Um, the cool thing about this song is that um, the backing track that you're hearing right now mm-hmm. is the exact same track you're going to hear on this album. Really? Yeah. And then as far as, far as the vocals, um, the, the Sheila E version... Yeah, so when you hear it, you, you're going to hear Prince's um, voices. You're going to hear his voice mm-hmm. in the Sheila E verse. You're going to hear it, but it's going to be really, like, low. Okay. But you're going to okay. hear more of Sheila E. And that's the cool thing about this song, because it's pretty much the exact same song. So, um, for people that that knows about this song or has heard the song when you hear it on the originals you're going to be like oh I heard the song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so I I mean it's a cool it's cool to hear this Prince by himself yeah yeah it is but it's the same song Did, as a producer because you're a producer and you produce a lot of your own tracks and beats um did he do a lot of production with his work? Like, was he behind the board? Or yes. did he have, like, a go-to person, like a Bernie to- Topin, like uh, Ellen John? Uh, he had very few people, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it was all him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the, uh, the phenomenal things and innovative things about Prince, because, like I said, when he was 17, he didn't want anybody going in there and tinkering with how he put it out there. Yeah. He can do it all himself. So he actually was able to do that. Okay. So that was cool. Weird. No, I, I love I love learning more about him because man, he it, and we're looking at him in his in his almost like famed photo of him in that flowy white shirt right now. Uh, they call it the, the puffy the puffy shirt from the Seinfeld with <laughs> a puffy shirt. <laughs> He's got the puffy pirate shirt on, carrying like a single like what is that like a, a rose, a, a rose or a daisy yeah, or something. The, the, the purple rain era. It's so that's uh, like classic. So he so you're saying he changed his outfits depending on the era that he was like working with. So he did a lot of purple one year. Uh, I remember like around like the early 2000s when he was performing at the Super Bowl it was a lot of purple um, purple rain with a lot of like white flowy shirts mm-hmm. uh, near the end of his career it was a lot of like leather tight leather well, that's when he was doing like the hard like the whole more hard, hard rock stuff with uh, Third Eye uh, Girl mm-hmm. so um, he he was a chameleon uh, as far as his whole style um, because when you uh, if you start in the 70s it was more like he was more risque he was wearing a trench coat with uh 
speedos. You wear, I seriously, you have. <laughs> really? He have a trend, Wait, uh, trench you, coat with the speedo uh, on underneath, or like a look up Prince in the speedos, and you <laughs> and you'll see that he'll have. He had like a brown trench coat with speedos and leather boots, and so yeah, yeah, that era right there. We're, we're t- <laughs> so that was pretty much, uh, but that that was during the time where he was, you know, at that time it was. He wore that out. He wore that out, you know. I mean, people that remember the, uh, I think it was ninety one, maybe uh, MTV Music Awards when he wore the assless chaps, <laughs> and like he, like he had, he was playing, he, he was playing guitar, and then he turns around. Uh, it was the song called "Get Off," and there's a line. <laughs> Okay, I just pulled up a photo of it, and I do not remember this performance. So, <laughs> the, the story behind that was the uh, the uh, he it was a song called "Get Off," and mm-hmm. in the line where he's actually rapping, and that's the Prince I hate. I hate Prince rapping because he can't rap. Okay, and there's okay. some things you just can't do, but and there's some things you just can't unsee, and right. that's going to be one of them. And so, in <laughs> one line, he goes, he says, "Move your big ass around his way." So he turns around, and then you, all you see is assless chaps. So he basically just moves. <laughs> the entire country so <laughs> that is oh my gosh you know uh let's just move on to the next song <laughs> the next song gigolos get lonely too and this is the version by the time oh yeah uh it recorded by prince in 1982 and on the times what time is it in 1982 yeah it's that drum machine again yeah, so I don't think anybody would use the drum machine as much as they do today if it wasn't for people like Prince showing them how it was accurately done. Yeah. You know? Now the cool thing about this song, um, the exact same track, mm. um, and the exact same way his song is the same way Prince sings is it's Prince's voice. So um, when you listen to the originals, it's just cool to hear Prince's voice, and, yeah. and like I said, it. it it solidifies any argument that says Prince didn't write yeah. all this stuff. So that's that's the cool thing about this song. I love it. I love when he hits those high notes too. It's just smooth like butter. <laughs> the next song is "Love Thy Will Be Done." Oh God, yeah. So this is one. That <laughs> um, Where does this go on the Prince Richter scale? Are you staying at the concert? Or are you going to the bathroom, getting a drink during this song? I might be going to go get, get something out uh, from the concession or something. <laughs> uh, I remember this song. I think it was like the '90s. This was released, mm-hmm. and it has that '90s. Oh like, my gosh! Yeah, yeah. It has is that. This, like, is this him singing? Yeah. Wow. And that's like the, Madonna. Yeah, this is the uh, version you hear on the uh, originals. So, yeah, this was recorded in 1991, appears on Martika's, Martika's Kitchen in 1991 as well. Yeah, and when you hear her version, it, it's a little bit more palatable because it's, uh, you know, it's, a lot of these songs, uh, you, you can kind of tell they were written for females. Yes, but, and, yes, but, good point. But, but Prince was kind of, you know, you know, people always in that song controversy. It was one of he was straight or gay, so it was like mm-hmm. one of those things like he kind of toyed with. And he didn't even he he wanted people to keep guessing, right? He like, wanted people to keep guessing because you know sometimes he was just, just 
do something, you be like, is he gay? And then, <laughs> then he'll do something, and you be like, oh, he loves women. So yeah, yeah. So he kind of he always played with that throughout his career, you know. And it was, you know, now you can like if you did stuff like that. Now it's not as shocking, and people don't, um, people don't really pay pay attention to it because it's it's so out there now. Mm-hmm. But back in the seventies, eighties, and a part of the nineties, like it, you know, it like. It wasn't really accepted, you know, if you were gay, or, you know. So he liked the fact of uh, toying around with stuff. Like yeah, that. being ambiguous yeah. with his yeah. uh, sexuality, and, I, and he definitely was out I, of anybody. I called it the androgynous period. <laughs> it was like he didn't know. It was like kind of like because honestly, look at this photo. I mean, speak right. about that. And this photo is him with flowing long hair covering his face, very like mysteriously looking, with a shoulder off, like an off-shoulder shirt as well. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah. Okay, I could I could feel you on that. We're coming near the end. This is our thirteenth uh, song on this album, "Dear Michelangelo," released in 1985 by Sheila E.'s Romance 1600 and recorded by Prince of the same year. And I guess this would be a good time to talk about kind of the myth and lore of Prince uh, with the song Michelangelo. He was, a, I'm guessing it was about the, the famous painter. Uh, Prince at one time changed his name to a symbol. Now, what is the folklore behind this? Why did he do that? And just why? So, um, Prince signed, like, he was really young when he signed, when he, when he signed his uh, his contract with mm-hmm. Warner Brothers. And he released a lot of music, but he didn't have control over his masters. Uh-huh. He really didn't. So, um, at one point, you know, he went to battle with Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people tell you don't, don't, um, you you can't fight a record company and win. He actually fought the record company and won. It took him a, a few years, but he won. And so he was like, he felt like a slave because he had to keep releasing music, mm-hmm. you know, because he mm-hmm. was under contract to do so. So mm-hmm. for those who... And look at all the music he released. Holy smokes. He, he probably never slept a day in his life right. writing for himself or other people. Right. So he did all this and he just wanted control of his masters. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was other things he wanted control over too. So during that fight with Warner Brothers, whenever you saw him in public, he would write the word slave across his face. Okay. okay. So if you like, if you Google Prince Slave, you'll see the yeah. photo of him with slave written across his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the assless chaps photo just came up again. Uh, okay, let me. I'm gonna look up that up right now. So he he felt like he was a slave to this, oh, this to the record company. This company. Oh yeah, I see it right there, right yeah. on the side of his cheek. Yeah. So whenever you saw him in public, he would have that. And so, because uh, he like he wanted a to- he wanted to go a, t- a totally different direction mm-hmm. musically too, because uh, I think around that time he uh, he found God and he wanted to do more spiritual tracks. Because honestly, okay. Okay. Uh, throughout his career, like he always kind of teetered uh, sex and religion, uh, so it wasn't you know um, it wasn't odd for him to want to do that yeah but you know with the record company sex sells you yeah. doing the the sexy stuff and the risque stuff sells they want to keep doing that so when he when he eventually won he released a three disc um compilation album called emancipation mm-hmm. and the album cover was just a photo of a guy breaking chains 
and that pretty much had songs that he always wanted to do it featured a few covers on that album um but i think that's when you saw like the real prince fans that stuck with him because a lot yeah. of people that thought they were prince fans they when he started releasing the stuff that he wanted to do they kind of dwindled away the hardcore prince fans they stuck around and there's some songs he just wouldn't do anymore because it was considered like a little too risque or whatever but yeah 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 but yeah um now I feel like so what was the what was the idea behind the like shape of it then how did he come up with that in a dream well no tattoo and, and, okay so in purple rain there was a on on his motorcycle there's a symbol on mm-hmm. his motorbike and he calls it the love symbol it's like a <laughs> it's like a symbol between male and female but it's like, kind of like meshed together okay okay so that's what it's known as known oh. as the love symbol so um that's how, that's, so when he first changed his name to that symbol, uh, people didn't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. And so people were just calling the artist formerly known as Prince. And even in print, it was hard to even mention him because it was like, how do you write his name? Yeah. You know? yeah. But somebody came up with a way to write his name. It was the, um, you would have the, um, the symbol for the, the side, sideways V, the plus sign, and mm-hmm. the circle. That's how you typed his name back in the day we read it about him in print <laughs> so yeah i remember was... when he did that it was all over mtv news i remember kurt loader and all those old guys they used to just their mind would explode the day that prince wanted to change himself into a symbol it was so cool it was so like on on edge and and now you think that people people do that all the time it's like you know uh, rappers spell their names with with uh, exclamation points and and you know dollar signs all the time but back then no one did this no one yeah I, I he, like I said, he paved the way for a lot of people. Like, as far as how music is done on the internet, like he was, he was like, I'll say within the past maybe six years, like Prince was probably the only artist you could not find his music on YouTube. You cannot find it anywhere, anywhere. If you <laughs> like, he was relentless for going after people that put his stuff out. You don't so, say, well, well, we're listening to some of the covers of his songs and they were impossible right, to find online. Right. Even like until until after he died was when you can when you can get stuff on YouTube. Like he, there's a Prince YouTube, uh, an official Prince YouTube page mm-hmm. where they may release little things here and there. And even then, if you if you put up a Prince video or a Prince song on YouTube or try to post it online somewhere, they're coming after you. Um, but, <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. this team. You know, but we just got to ask Prince, though, for all these songs that we're trying to find, wouldn't you love to love me? Just let me find your music already, right? And that's our 14th song, recorded by Prince in 1981, appears on, is it Ty, Tia? Tia Savelli's? Tia Savelli's, yeah. Uh, 1987, Tia Savelli. Okay, now this is more funky. This is him breaking out late 80s, little Huey Lewis in the News kind of vibe, I feel like. Yeah, this one kind of has that sound that, that like, it was recorded in 81, I can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. That it was recorded in 81, just by the instruments that he's using. He's in... Kind of like the um, the little the roads like yeah board like the old back. Hammond kind yeah. of sound that you get where you're just trying yeah. to make it funky but it's just an organ yeah but but in those times you know that's that's all you needed yeah you know, to make it happen 
Um, I dig this song. What did you, and then so um, he recorded in 1981, sat on it for five years. It's so cool that he can write this music and be like, hey, you know, maybe you can use this on your album. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's use it on your debut album. Yeah. I mean, it's that good of a song that they can just keep and use it for. Oh, yeah, yeah. Funky overlaid vocals. I love what he does with the, with the bass line. The bass doesn't quit on Prince albums. That's what I've been finding. Like a lot of times today, you don't hear bass. It's just dun 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 over power chords yeah. or over um, you know a rap song is great and it's just over the beat. But with Prince, he he layers it into a song to make it kind of like a little uh, what is it funky is that like that a that funky like patterned yeah. uh, blanket. Yeah. I guess <laughs> Prince is funky. Uh, let's go into our last song on the album. This is the most well-known song by far. Uh, the folklore is is there. Everyone loves this song. Sung by one of the most... Honestly, it, when it came out, it just stunned the world. Sung by Sinead O'Connor, but Prince had written it. Nothing compares to you. An amazing, amazing piece of work. So this is the Prince version of it. Yeah, this is the... Um this is the album version that you're going to hear on, on the originals. Um, there's been um, live versions of this. And actually, the first time I heard uh, Prince do this song was when they released his uh, B-Sides compilation. It was like a three-disc set. And the version they released was a live version that he did with Rosie Gaines, who was... Uh, who was a part of the new power generation, his backing band after the revolution mm -hmm. broke up. So when I first heard that version, I loved it. Uh, and the, Sh the Sinead O'Connor version, I, I liked that version too, mm -hmm. but there was like, it was no, there was no, um, to me, there was no passion behind it it was just you know a synth track in mm -hmm. her voice which is cool you know it works for her but uh i think with when you heard prince's live version with rosie Gaines, it it is like it, it kind of brought it full circle for me now this this version right here which is totally uh different from the live version mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when i hear this version it's it kind of takes away from the live version you hear. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, I like the video that that, that accompanies this. So, I think this is on the original Prince page. So, when you, um, when you see the video along with this, mm -hmm. you kind of choke up a little bit because you see how hard, like, that's all re rehearsal footage that we're looking at. Yeah. You know, so... It's Prince working with his band, doing some choreography uh, moves with his band, and they're yeah. all, like, tightly succinct guys with guitars. Prince is spinning around in circles. That was it's, why he needed that, awesome. that hip replacement because, <laughs> I mean, he was doing all this stuff in high heels. <laughs> You know? You're right. You're right. Yeah, this is such a great song, and I love the the billowing great guitar. It's almost like a Queen song when he sings it, as opposed to something like uh, what Sinead O'Connor just was just a, a long ballad. Right. Um, well, this was our last song. I. I kind of end these podcasts and by the way thank you for your time no Brian is oh, such a hard worker he's another show to go and produce in a few uh, minutes so I'm going to get to my final three three questions for you Brian um, first of all I wanted to know do you have any personal experiences with Prince? Um, outside of just um when my first exposure to Prince honestly was uh, back in the day 
they were there were bootlegs back in the day as far as movies, right? Mm-hmm. So back in the day, VHS for those of y'all that you know videotapes. So um, when bootlegs used to come out back in the day, uh, they would come out on VHS, and there'll be three movies on that VHS. Okay. So, okay. but there weren't there weren't like bootlegs like how you see them now. Somebody with an iPhone they were recording it in a theater. No, these were the actual movies. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the quality was good. So, um, my mom, I hope she doesn't kill me for uh, ratting her out, but she used to buy these bootlegs, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember her watching it, but she wouldn't let me watch it. Okay. Okay. And so one day. I got a hold of it and I watched it. <laughs> of course, and she I didn't was, let you I do something. Blo- I was blown away, you know, seeing like, you know, a, a, a black dude that was like just bad as shit on. Oh, that yeah, no, bad. you can sort. This is that, the that, internet, man. I mean, you I can mean, say was, shit if you I mean, want. He was bad as shit on the guitar, and it was like, what the hell? Because I heard the album. Yeah. I mean, I liked the album, but I, after seeing it, when I saw the movie, I was like, oh my god, why? Like, really? And so um, I think that that's that was my connection to it. And mm-hmm. then I listened to Purple Rain so much that um, I, you know how people say, hey, you play the album backwards, you hear something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> here's a little tidbit for those of y'all that still have like record players. That's why I call them. Mm-hmm. And today you guys call them vinyl. No. Oh, so yeah. um, so on Purple Rain. If you go to Darling Nikki, that's the last track on the first side of that um, of that album, mm-hmm. and you play it backwards. There's actually a message in it. What? There is a message in it if you play it backwards. Darling Nikki. Darling Nikki. The last track. It's the last track in the vinyl. You probably can find it on online now. The but when with the first time I heard it, I played it backwards, and it scared me so much I ran out the house. <laughs> I was like, what the hell did I just listen to? So. Oh, yeah, you're right. We actually do have it right here. So this is this how is it's it? not. Yeah, this is it. This is what you hear. Oh, dear God. I'm scared right now. Pretty short. Okay, so so you're gonna play it four backwards now. This is what you hear me here. No, Brian, hold on to your seat. <laughs> this might bring back some bad memories. Gospel track at the end of right. this, right? <laughs> but Darling Nikki, for those of you, for those of you guys that heard Darling Nikki, it's a pretty raunchy track. <laughs> so it was like, what? <laughs> so uh, yeah, like that was my early exposure to Prince. Okay. Uh, so I would listen to that out like Purple Rain countless hours. Yeah. I would, as a kid, I would grab a broom and can pretend I was playing guitar. Yeah. So that, with your long hair? Is this when you had long hair at the time? No, too? I was like, how old was I? I was about 
eight, nine years old. Would you? Okay, now, Brian, are you spent some time in the military too? Were you still rocking Prince back and then? Uh, no, actually, um, by that time I was like in the punk. Okay. Like I was okay. more in the punk. I mean, I still listen to Prince. Yeah. But, um, I was just more in the punk cause I think the thing about Prince is that he, for R and B purposes, I guess, uh, was punk because he kind of broke the mold of what R and B is supposed to be. Like you, oh my like, gosh, yeah. Like you weren't supposed to be black and know how to play guitar the way and wail on right. guitar and exactly. like do solos like that and then to create those funky. He was like, he was he was a mixture of like Jimi Hendrix, Kanye, uh, freaking John Lennon, Paul McCartney, all all rolled into one. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of those things that um, that it was all that was a that, that was instant connection after I saw the movie and um yeah so it, great yeah. question number two go-to karaoke song by prince you're at the bar you're you're you have a few pops in you you get on stage what prince song are you going to okay so karaoke i would tell you this right now i love to do karaoke but there's a few rules of karaoke if you do karaoke <laughs> There are three artists you're not supposed to do. Okay. He's one of them. Okay, Prince. And Whitney Houston, don't do Whitney Houston, and don't do Michael Jackson. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Those are are three people you don't do at karaoke. So for those of you out there that that do karaoke, those are the three artists you never do because uh, people have kind of like that... that passion for that artist. Mm -hmm. So if you're not going to go up there and do it right, you're going to get booed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so no no Prince songs, no Michael Jackson, and no Whitney Houston. Surprisingly, that's the three artists that are probably requested the most, which is never too good. Um, all right, your last question here before we get to the rating of the album. Uh, Prince is in front of you. You get to interview Prince um, one day and, you know, before he passed away or, or whenever. I mean, this is hypothetical. What's that one question you would ask him? Oh, man. The one question I would ask him would be um, how, like, how would you, no, just just this whole recording process. Like, I I would want to, I would want to literally sit in the studio while he at least makes one song, Mm -hmm. like, in, in its entirety, like, from the time he wrote it to the time he records the, the backing track to the time where he records his vocals. I think that that would be one of the things I would want to see or want to know the process. And I, I don't think nobody's ever asked him that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are more in awe and like his views on certain, you know, like I've seen interviews with him. Um, and the most famous interview that he's done was with Tavis Smiley, mm-hmm. but it was. I love Tavis Smiley. Yeah, it was, it was. But it was just more of like political views and stuff. But nobody's really sat him down and and went through like the recording process. Yeah. with him. So I would like to like. For me, I would like to know that. Yeah, the recording process to dive into his mind to see where those like synapses click, click, and they think, okay, this is how he found that beat, and then that's how he knows to, how to layer that drum, kind yeah. of right. Oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. So uh, before I, let you, I gotta tell you, I totally forgot about this. <laughs> okay, so uh, everybody knows the famous Michael Jackson song "Bad." Yes, yes. Uh, people didn't know that used to, that was supposed to have been a duet with Prince. Really? Yeah, it's supposed to have been basically him versus Michael Jackson. Okay. 
and which it, the music video kind of like showcases when he's going against another rival gang, right? And that's what it was supposed to have been, but Prince totally backed out of it because the opening line to Bad was "Your butt is mine." And Prince was like, I'm not singing that to Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, and that's, that's a true story. And if you go on YouTube, there's an interview with Prince. I think it was Arsenio Hall. And he, <laughs> tells, he, he tells Arsenio Hall, like, that's the reason why I didn't do that song. <laughs> so Why didn't they just change the lyric then if they wanted to do it? Your, uh, your butt is minus. Wait, first of all, your butt is minus is a lyric in that song? Yes. That's the opening line. I guess like I'm I never bad. like con- connected. If it. you listen to Bass, the opening lines of that song. Because <laughs> Prince said in, in the interview, he says, I'm not singing that to you, and you sure is not singing it to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> that is, oh my gosh, that is amazing. I have to go back and listen to it or something. That's, okay, that's, I mean, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. He wanted to keep it going. Yeah. That's a cool bit, bit of tidbit of information, though. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the rating. This is the part that everyone is waiting for. Everyone always loves at the end of the show. Um, the Prince's Originals, he's an amazing artist. Um, uh, wealth, wealth of, of great songs that he's written over the years. The scale goes, as far as I'm concerned, on two dudes, one disc versus Prince the Originals. It's a scale of one to seven. Four is the true neutral. It's the Avenge seven scale. So out of one to seven, what do you give Prince's the original? Are you saying seven is like the best? Seven is the best. And four is kind of like neutral? Four is neutral. I will have to give it a... Maybe like a five and a half. You're going to, as the biggest Prince uh, fan ever, yeah, you're going to give it a five and, and a half. And this is my reason behind it. Okay. And I'm just speaking for me. I gave it a five and a half because, like, I like the tracks that are on it um and i get to hear why he didn't do those songs originally mm-hmm. because not all of them are good and a, a, a true prince fan is not going to be like everything he did is magic yeah you know? so some of the songs do fall short um but uh as a listener um it is also cool to hear it you know, to be like, hey, that's the song Kenny Rogers did. And yeah. Prince is doing it. It, it. So it's cool to get, get that reference point. So um, I recommend anybody that's a music fan to, to listen to this album. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a Prince fan, definitely get the album. Mm-hmm. Just a half of your collection. Um, like I said, there's going to be many more of these originals. I'm, I'm almost certain it's going to be a lot of these originals because the, the dude has a vault. I mean, a, a little walk-in vault <laughs> yeah. of music that's not that's never been released. Uh, is it Paisley Park? At, at Paisley Park, I yeah. don't know if you can actually go in the vault, but there are pictures of the vault. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like, I, I have to give it, like, uh, yeah, about a five and a half, maybe five a six. Half. Okay. Um, but, yeah, like, for me, it, it's definitely a, a, a five and a half, six for me. And... People will, I mean, as a, mu- a, a true music lover is going to like it. A Prince fan is going to love it. Um, people that's never heard of Prince, may n- they may not like it because, it's, like you said, it's dated. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Okay. I know. I, I totally dig that. 
I'm going to give it a five and a half, too. That's what I was going to go for. I had it in my head. I loved it, but I was going to give it the four because I was kind of neutral on Prince. But after hearing all the stories and everything, I think that you boistered my fandom for Prince by far. I love hearing the, the stories behind it and seeing where he was coming from with these songs. He's an amazing artist. And obviously, you can see that he had a lot of freaking friends with his music and the way that he he wrote. He's an incredible artist. Um, he deserves every single bit of the accolades that he's gotten. We miss him very, very much. Uh, so yeah, five and a half for Prince's The Originals. Brian, where can we find you on online, your music, your shows? Uh, so, alright, you can, if you want to follow me on Facebook, is uh, Brian Alzheimer. Uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook. Um, Instagram is... Uh, uh, Sean Green Show official. If you want to check me out on Instagram and all my hijinks there, and um, <laughs> as far as um, podcasts, you can find WGN Plus, Sean Green Show on WGN Plus, and SeanGreenShow.com. Great. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. And by the way, if anybody wants to have a great time, follow Brian on Facebook. It's some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see in your entire life. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> you got to have a Twitter, man. You got to have your own show or something. It's so good. Yeah, my, my hijinks on the uh, red line. <laughs> so, yeah. Brian, thanks for joining us here on Two Dudes, One Disc. 